very first episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who took a leap of faith to follow their dreams and passions. I am your host, Kelsey Cooper, aka The Social Broker, and today I will be rapping with my good friend Shana Renee Stevenson, simply known as It's Shana Renee on the gram. She has been an entrepreneur for a while now. She has a very interesting story of her journey to be where she is currently. She started out as a chemistry major in college, then changed into psychology. After college, she dibbled in fashion, and now she's a sports analyst in a male-dominated field. She also surprised me about a new role she's about to take on. I don't want to give away too much of our convo. You're just going to have to listen to her share her amazing journey. I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's welcome Shana Renee. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. No worries. No worries. No worries. Thank you for being my very, very first guest. It's like a humbling experience. Um, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. It ain't no pressure, girl. We're talking like we've known each other for forever, right? Yeah, we have known each other for a while. Plus, I got a glass of wine to calm my damn nerves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have poured a glass of wine. I'm, I'm good, though. Oh, it's good. You're good. You should have let me know that's what we were doing. I'm I saying, didn't know that's what I we mean, were doing. This conversation is like in a coffee shop, you know, chopping it up, catching up. You know, I time people are busy as hell. In your lives and you know you know you got a good friend that you haven't had a chance to reach out to and you finally let's catch up and after like multiple times of trying to meet you finally meet and then we just dive into you know what's going on in each other's lives that's basically what this conversation yeah. is going to be like all right well i'm excited to get it going all right cool so um let's get it started take me to your journey girl um where did it all start like you were sports you're a psychology major and you're now a sports analyst and you like all sports, everything. Where did it all start? Like, you know, So I was a sports fan um, as young as I can remember. My brother was an athlete. He's five years older than me and he Mm -hmm. played football starting at age six. So I basically was around sports straight out the womb. Um, And then he played football from, age six, all the way through college. And as a family, we were always in attendance at his games. And it just kind of became the culture of our family, the lifestyle of our family. I like to refer to sports as our love language. <laughs> love language, group- wow. <laughs> we have group chats, like our family has group <laughs> chats where we talk about sports and specifically the Knicks. Um, and so it was also an opera, a way for me to bond with my father. Okay. I remember as a young girl, just like wait, sit, staying up late at night, watching Mike Tyson fights, even if they only lasted 16 seconds. <laughs> right. But like, <laughs> I remember those. I used to be hype. so mad about remember it. Remember those? <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, but you know, but that was another way for us to connect over sports. And then even my mom, I remember her being the loudest one cheering at all of my brother's games. So it was never um, uncommon for me to think that women and sports didn't go together because my mom was a huge sports fan. And again, my dad included me and her in everything that we did as a family as it related to sports. So it just kind of came natural to me. And then um, as I got older, 
a lot of the guys that I dated in high school and college and after college would always comment on how knowledgeable I was about sports. And oh, you was that girlfriend, I was. You was that girlfriend, like, y'all could watch football together, and you're like, Exactly. Oh, okay. And I would debate. Kelsey, you know I, you know, <laughs> I, don't I got a smart mouth on me, so. <laughs> right, right. So I would debate about, you know, this athlete versus that athlete mm-hmm. or contracts and stats. And so after hearing it for so long that I knew a lot about sports and people saying that maybe you should work in sports, maybe you should work in sports, I finally decided to look into it and at the time I had or I had worked in fashion for a little bit and then I pivoted from fashion and do into straight marketing Um, and so I thought that I would be able to leverage that marketing experience and you know parlay that into a sports marketing job which proved to be a lot more difficult than I anticipated you know sports is a very very competitive industry like much like entertainment or music or anything that's considered sexy Mm -hmm. and um that's where my master's degree came in because every job that I applied to, even though I knew that on paper, I had really great experience. They were looking for someone who either had internships, who had a master's degree, or who had real experience in the industry. And that was something that I couldn't offer. And so I made the decision to get my master's and I went to NYU part-time. I still maintain a full-time job. Yeah. And As soon as I was accepted into the program at NYU, hadn't even taken a class, I just updated my resume, and then suddenly I started getting callbacks from ESPN, from NBA, from um, the Tennis Association, from a bunch of sports organizations that otherwise had overlooked my resumes because it didn't have those keywords that, you know, recruiters and headhunters look for. Right. Mm -hmm. And so... I ended up accepting a position at ESPN and that started my, my sports career. And that was in 07. Okay. okay. Um, and so, and so it was great and it was something that I, I had to take a pay cut. I was a marketing manager in my previous role. And then I had to go back down to being a marketing coordinator, but these were all strategic decisions and sacrifices, sacrifices that I was you had willing to make. To make. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in order to be in the industry that I wanted to be in. Right. Now, question. So that's how it all got started. Okay, so you went to school for psychology, but so during that whole time you were in college, you were just a big sports fanatic. So yeah. why didn't you dive into something sports-related major in college? You know, I mean, you know, undergrad. Well, well, actually, I started at Spelman as a chemistry major, wow. as a chemistry pre-med major. Yeah. Okay, so and... why chemistry <laughs> pre-med? See, I didn't notice. Why pre- I know. Why chemistry pre-med? What got you? I mean, you know, like how you know families are. You're gonna be a lawyer, doctor. Mm-hmm. Was it that? Was that exactly. the, the reason why you wanted something safe? You know. Plus, exactly. You know, um, in my my experience, I was like the first one to go away for college. So I didn't want to do anything crazy. I want to do the arts or philosophy or anything. I wanted something that would get me a job right out of college, you know, because right. the sacrifices that was made for me to go, you know, so. Well, yeah, so I definitely was like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. 
and I had committed to myself to being a doctor for mm-hmm. years. And in high school, chemistry was one of my easiest subjects, even oh, wow. though, okay. um, yeah, chemistry is one of my easiest subjects. I was in like AP math. I was kind of a nerd back in the, I mean, kind I of a nerd. Kind of you, a nerd, you, but chemistry, you were, was, you're like, <laughs> chemistry was easy. That's like not kind of yeah. a nerd. You were a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Chemistry was easy. But when I got to Spelman, chemistry was not easy. It was a completely different world. Right. And so me um, changing my major to psychology was really out of survival, to mm. be honest, Kelsey, because I wasn't doing well and I was, I wasn't failing, but I wasn't, getting great grades and my GPA had you know slips and it's this is my first semester Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't making a good impression Mm -hmm. my freshman year first semester okay yeah I just yeah because I I was struggling and that was new to me and Mm. so I was like all right at this point my GPA because once your GPA drops right it's hard to get it back up so I was like Okay, what can I do? Was was, be was psychology easy? the easiest thing, or was it something? It was that... one of the easiest things because okay. I was like, all I need to do is read and write at this point. Right. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. Like reading books, writing papers, and that would allow me to bring my GPA up. So that's mm. what I did. Um, mm. And then I eventually dropped the pre med altogether. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, because what I, what some people don't know about Spelman and Morehouse is that and Clark is that you can take classes at each other's schools. Oh, that's dope. And so, yeah, so while Morehouse has a really great finance program, and so I was able to take most of my um, psychology classes at Spelman for my major and then create a minor that was more Mm business-centric and take a lot of those classes at Morehouse. So I I was kind of creating a marketing track for myself even though that's not what I started out right doing so you see what I'm saying yeah I mean so during this whole time you were just sports was like a hobby or like a side thing yeah and it wasn't yeah sports wasn't anything that I focused on it wasn't anything that I thought I could have a career in to be honest Mm. it was something that came very very easy to me and I was of the mindset that you know, work was hard. Work mm. wasn't something that was enjoyable. Right. You know, like work is not fun. Right. Um, you, you, hit so, the nail, you hit the nail on the head right there. You said, you know, just because it comes easy to you, like you disregard it. It's like, oh, this is too easy. Mm-hmm. This is not supposed to be, I can't make money. This is easy. This is like fun. So a lot of us exactly. pretty much like, exactly. you know, you know, not focus on things that come easy to come natural to us and and try to fit into a traditional mode, you know, and I think, right. that's, and I think that's what happens to a lot of us, you know, but then, you know, but it's like that saying that when you do what you love is like, you never work a day again in your life or whatever that saying is, but I wasn't that I, I wasn't familiar with that mm-hmm. as a college student or even, you know, in my early twenties, I right. wasn't familiar with that mindset. Right. Right. Well, um, so let's fast, let's, you know, I'm sorry, I took you back to your college years and, uh, I know you, uh, went and got your master's at ESPN, I mean, excuse me, master's at NYU, and then you started ESPN as a marketing. How long were you at, um, ESPN? 
I was only there for three years. Only um, three years? That's a long time. Girl, my my year, my it, thing is two years. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I was, so, I was so, you know, worried about staying at a location for so long. I was like, two and done. You know, just, you know, make sure I have enough time for, for my resume <laughs> to put on my resume. Right. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Keep it moving, you know. So three years is a adequate amount of time to be somewhere. How was that experience? Well, for me, so I didn't intend, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. I mean, for me, ESPN was a dream job, as mm -hmm. I think it would be for most people who are sports fans. Um, and like I said before, I took a pay cut and I was bas I basically accepted a demotion as well. Mm -hmm. But my mindset was to be promoted because up until that point, I was always promoted in every position that I had within a year. Right. And so having that same work ethic, I expected kind of the same thing to happen, but at ESPN and particularly in their marketing department, that's just not how it works. They're more so into lateral, um, not like not promotions, but they make, they make you have a lot of lateral moves mm -hmm. and they have what is, I guess what is considered like a rotational program. So you can work on the NBA and then transition to working on soccer and then transition to working on ba basketball or baseball. And that didn't work for me because I was like, I knew that I needed to be advancing um, and I really wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being utilized to the best of my ability. Right. So after three years, I got bored and I just felt bored. like I was, I felt like I was devalued too. Oh, wow. And that, yeah. And that you, was you didn't feel appreciated. Like, you feel, felt overlooked. I, I think nine to fives do that. Exactly. For us, right? <laughs> so you're like the small fish in a pond where you're used to being, you know, the star everywhere you go. Right. Yes. And, and so I was just like, I need to do something that makes me feel more fulfilled. Mm. And I feel like I can better use my voice and my creativity and all of that great stuff. And, um, I, I left. Right. Right. Did <laughs> I you, was like, I'm out. Is <laughs> that out. okay? And did you just leave for another job or did you just like, okay, I'm going to. No. So that's when I left to, to go out and do my own thing. So. Did, right. The, wow. That's crazy. Did you have a yeah, game plan? So did you have like a strategic plan or. I did. So my dad doesn't play that. Like my dad is very. <laughs> no. No is, parents play yeah. that. <laughs> They're like, what? Yeah. You leave it a good paying job Especially for what? Especially <laughs> black parents. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Mm -mm. So my dad was like, you need a business plan. I need to see your business plan. Oh, wow. He wanted to know. Yeah. He wanted to know that I was thinking about this from a realistic place mm. and not reacting out of emotion or anything like that. You know, right. he wanted to make sure that I'd really given it some thorough um, evaluation and consideration. And so I did that. You did, you, um, do you, you, so you create a business plan? Yeah, I created a business plan. What was, what was the business plan? What was the business that you were planning? <laughs> so the business that I was planning was a sports marketing agency. And so what I wanted to do was work with athletes and work with um, work with female athletes and then work with male athletes who weren't like top 
tier athletes, but Mm -hmm. maybe like BC level athletes that are often overlooked as far as um, endorsements or marketing opportunities go and figure out ways to get them some money. And also I, like I had mentioned earlier, I had worked in fashion for a little while. Mm -hmm. And so I, I also had a love for fashion. And so part of that was also to do image consulting. So styling, because I had taken classes at FIT. Um, So styling and really trying to merge my marketing and my fashion background. And you incorporated all that in your business plan. And your father was like, wow, okay, this is well thought out. He was like, yeah, okay, this seems like, you know, this could be a great idea. Um, But little did I know is that um, the NBA and the NFL were both going to have a lockout. Mm, oh. And that meant that athletes weren't really trying to spend money. And so I would take meetings. I remember going to like the NFL draft parties. I was like in those streets trying to hustle. This is right after this is right athletes. after you left um, ESPN and you just ESPN, dive yeah. you dive head in into your, you know, you know, working your plan. My business recruiting exactly pitching and I'd get great meetings I get opportunities and there'd be interest and then when it was time to actually talk dollars suddenly athletes were like oh I don't know if I could you know pay for this because I don't know what's going to happen with the future of the league and you were a startup you were in charge in like ridiculous amount of money I mean it was just an excuse I wasn't exactly it was an excuse Mm -hmm. and it was and it was like because you don't know what's going to happen this Mm -hmm. is even more reason why you need to make sure that your brand remains strong out there you know and you seek other opportunities but um at the same time I started a blog which I had wanted to start when I was at ESPN but I figured there might be a conflict of interest Mm. um and so I waited until I left to start it. And how long, how like, long out, you know, did you start? Did you start like six months? Um, a year? No, it might have been a few months, like maybe three months. Okay. Girl, you work fast. Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> <You> <laughs> it wasn't fast. that long, but it was, but the blog wasn't supposed to be. like a business Mm. it was more so supposed to be just kind of like a hobby where I just updated it you know here and there and I'm a Knicks Jets Yankees fan yeah I know and so you know (laughs) (laughs) so it was an opportunity for me to just kind of like vent you know about about my teams and I'd send the link to my brother and to my parents and you know, I posted on Facebook, but I didn't really expect anybody to read it. Right. And then it was just, it was just for you. It was just for you. Yeah. So, it was really just for me. Right. So, but was this like a pivot? Was this a pivot? Or is this something that you were just doing as a hobby while still pursuing? Yeah, your... it was. It was something that I was doing at a, as a hobby initially, but mm-hmm. then my brother saw the potential in my blog. Oh, okay. um, and at the time, you know, even though I had set out to do my sports marketing agency and I had some, some clients, but it wasn't lucrative. It wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, well, I really see more opportunity 
with your blog. Like I see huge potential for your blog. So maybe you should focus more of your energy there. Right. And it at the time wasn't what I wanted to hear. Wow. Um, what did you but, want to hear actually? Well, I wanted my sports marketing agency to pop off. Right. You know, that's what I had set out to do. And that's what I wanted to be successful at. But right. I saw that he was right. And I recognized that, yeah, like things aren't growing at the rate that I had hoped it would mm-hmm. grow. Um, so I do need to do something else. But, that's, but, and but so, then again, you say you started this three months out, right? So it's only three months you've been away. No, know? at this point, no. Because so the blog I had started out as a hobby and then once I and I started on like blogger or whatever which Mm -hmm. I don't even think exists anymore and then once I moved it to WordPress because people started reading it and you know the audience started to grow beyond just like my immediate family Mm -hmm. and um, I started to get more engagement with it and that might have been like two years in oh okay so this is like two years removed from you know, yeah, a nine to five exactly. job. You was doing your exactly. your thing. No money coming in. You had to figure things out quickly. Or little money coming really. in. Very little money coming in. Yeah. Right. And you had to pay rent. And how did you do it mm-hmm. during that time? Did you rely on your savings and or? Yep. So I relied on my savings, which goes much faster than you anticipate. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think what a lot of entrepreneurs, like when you quit your job and if you are thoughtful about it, you do have a little cushion for yourself, right? And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to work from home. But what happens too is that you kind of want that sexy experience of going to lunch and working out at cafes, especially in the summer. You know what I mean? Like you want to get yourself a little glass of rosé with your laptop. It's like very Carrie Bradshaw, very (laughs) like sex in the city. Like I want my laptop. I want my glass of rosé. I want to, you know, take myself to lunch while I eat. Or you're also, when you're trying to pitch clients, you're also taking them out to eat a lot. So while I would initially start out doing dinners, dinners would turn into lunches. Lunches would then turn into (laughs) breakfast. (laughs) And breakfast would turn into just like, let's meet for coffee. You know, because then it was like, all right, I really don't have the funds to do this anymore. Um, Yeah, money um, is, is my savings is getting really slim and I really need to cut back. It went, then, it went quicker than you like, thought it would, right? It, it, it did. And then even, even like I got to a point where I was like, I need to just have all my meetings in Harlem. Like I cannot take a subway. Like wow. I need to preserve my swipe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So where do we want to meet? Let's meet within walking distance of my apartment. <laughs> Yo, That's where I want to meet. You, you, I just realized what you say. You had to preserve your swipe. I could relate to that. Yeah. I could relate. <laughs> and it's like when I when I had my job, I had like, you know, it came out of my paycheck. So I did not see the money that I was paying for, you know, a train fare, you know, going back and mm-hmm. forth to work. And it was unlimited. So now when I had a job, when I left my job, I didn't have that luxury of of coming out of my money, my my paycheck automatically. I had to pay 
you know, twenty dollars, thirty dollars, and that you know for uh, for uh, a uh, a train ticket, a metro card, a metro card, yeah. And I was yep. like, that's joint, and it's not limited, right? <laughs> it's no, not limited. It's not limited. And you see that swipe, you're like, God damn, you know, like yep. it goes quicker than you realize, you know. You it just, does. Certain things we took for granted when we had nine to fives, but when you exactly. become an entrepreneur, you like you start watching every penny and every move. Every penny. Right. Every penny. And so I was really like you really, really have to be um conscious about how you spend your money. Like so like manicures weren't happening you know <laughs> i just it was just like things that i took for granted suddenly right. i really had to cut back and mm. be like okay i don't need this manicure i don't need to eat out i just like i said like i don't need to leave harlem right. <laughs> um and so and so then also i would consult you know, I was able to find other consulting opportunities that weren't necessarily sports related, mm-hmm. but they afforded me an opportunity to make some money right. on the side, you know, so I did that for a while too. But yeah, I mean, it it just was, it was an eye opening experience for sure. I think that, you know, we, we go into it with these grand plans for ourselves and then it's a rude awakening right. um, because it's a lot more difficult than you expect it to be. Right. At least it was for me. So you pivot. You know, everyone is different. Right. So you pivot. Trust me, I, I could relate. Um, it's not about me. <laughs> I could go into my story, but this is about you. <laughs> but I can relate. I can relate. Everything you're saying, I can relate to. Um, so you say you transitioned from, you know, being a sports marketing company. Now you're, yeah. you know, your family and your brother Writing. specifically said, you know, you need to be a blogger. No. So yep. how did that play out? How did that, you know, go for you in terms of, you know, focusing on that? Yeah. So that was, that was shocking for me because I didn't go to school for writing. So right. I have no journalism background. I wasn't an English major. And that was just kind of something that I developed on the fly, like creating a voice for myself where people were able to relate to my voice and hear what I had to say, whether it was me talking about the Knicks or me speaking about sports from a business perspective or, you know, what's going on culturally within sports. That was something that people were kind of like expecting me to speak out on. Um, And then from there, that led to TV opportunities, that led to speaking engagements, that led to other writing opportunities and, you know, paid opportunities. And so that became my shtick for a very, very long time. And that's where I was. So people knew me for my blog as All Sports Everything. Um, I remember seeing you on TV. I said, look at at, at Shayna. Look at her doing her thing. I was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, and that was that was never part of the plan initially, Kelsey. Right. When I left ESPN, I had no visions of that for myself. Well, Shina, none. I, listen, I remember. I mean, this is when I still had my nine to five, and I ran into you. I probably was in Harlem, <laughs> and you were mm-hmm. like, "Girl, you were like, man, I think I'm about to get a nine to five. And <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is not working. That's like, and I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, of course, I was like, you know, I was 
doing it for like selfish reasons because you were like my inspiration because yeah. I'm like you you know you took that leap you're doing your thing and I was like don't do it stick with it you know because I wanted that inspiration because I was like right because you know, I was looking to do the same and you you know you were like you know you stay with it you know um so I remember Wait. when you were going through that you know was that called was that around rock bottom for you when you uh when, when I ran into you that time Maybe, but I mean, I feel like we had that conversation more than once. <laughs> I, I just remember one remember, good time. I remember also having that conversation with Fabrice a few times. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were like a, a, a lot of times when I was like on the brink. But what happens is that the universe, God, whatever that spiritual entity is for you, mm-hmm. sends you signs that says, no, stick with it. So. Right. It might have been, you know, me getting another TV opportunity or me being invited to speak somewhere or me, you know, being offered to write somewhere. So there were always these signs and in the ways that the universe would respond to me in kind and saying, like, no, this is what you need to do. And I always believed that this was my purpose. And while... Mm. And that was the other thing. Is your that purpose. That's like powerful. Like that's like your purpose. You're supposed to be here because exactly. you, you weren't chasing the money. You were chasing a purpose. You were chasing like. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so while, and I, you know, I was talking to someone about this earlier this week, you know, as it relates to me accepting, you know, now I'm going back to a regular nine to five which is crazy and oh you are um yeah so marketing position okay that's a full-time job i just that's a yeah so that's okay. a full-time job and the reason that i accepted it was because it is very much aligned with my overall purpose mm. in terms of me um being able to amplify the voices and the platforms of female athletes and particularly black female athletes as WNBA players. But what I'm most excited about this position is that it's taking everything that I've done over the years and allowing me to do that for this team. And I feel like it's, it's given me an opportunity to have a greater impact Mm. um, than I would be able to have continuing and be independent and work for myself. And so for the past year, I've consulted with the New York Liberty and we've had some great success, but you know, there's certain resources that are limited with you being on the outside Mm. um, and certain decisions that are still made, even though, you're responsible, you're like, you're responsible for a particular scope of work. There are still some decisions that are made outside of you. And I felt like with me accepting this position, like everything falls on me, good or bad, which is great. And what I want. Right. So I'm really looking, I'm really excited about it because at the heart of what I love to do is tell stories, whether Mm. that's through creating content, whether that like video content, whether that's through me um, interviewing people, writing. When did you realize the heart of what you want to do was tell stories? I mean, that was from day one or it just evolved. You just figured things out, you know. Yeah, that. 
that's a great question. So when I started my blog, the impetus for me starting my blog was centered around the media industry being predominantly white male Mm -hmm. and the NBA and the NFL being predominantly black male Mm. and just, you know, that discrepancy there and the disproportionate rate that exists between those two groups. And this was in say 2010, 2011 when Twitter really wasn't what Twitter is today. Instagram didn't exist. And athletes still didn't at the time recognize how powerful they were. Mm -hmm. And in owning their voice, in owning their brand, in telling their own stories. You know, um, platforms like the Players Tribune, Derek Jeter's website didn't exist yet. Um, And so athletes were still relying on media white male media to Mm. convey their stories. And I just felt like there was a disconnect there because they, these media writers often use a lot of coded language that was demeaning to black, particularly black men. Um, And they, you know, marginalized black female athletes altogether. And I felt that as a black woman, who relates to black female athletes and relates to black male athletes just inherently of us being black in a shared culture, I was able to offer a different perspective and Mm. and one that was supportive and one that was like an advocate for them. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I felt like was missing. And so through that, I really made it my, um, I made it my priority or my Mm -hmm. purpose, yes, to be an advocate for these athletes and to tell their stories from a different perspective that I felt like was missing. And Mm -hmm. even though, you know, it wasn't like all sports, everything was doing like ESPN type numbers, it was still reaching enough people for people to relate to what I was saying and for it to get some sort of recognizability. So for example, like the first time that I went on TV, it was because a producer wanted to do a segment on the lack of um, black head coaches in D1 basketball. Mm -hmm. And I had written about that. And so they saw, yeah. And they, so they saw an article that I wrote on my blog and, you know, they considered me to be an expert and <laughs> wow. How did that make you feel? <laughs> You're like, word, it me? Was, did you like second yeah, guess yourself no. or did you like, you know what? I'm going to own this. <laughs> I'm going to so like. What's funny is that the producer was like, oh, so you've done TV before. And I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> Had never done TV before. Wow. But, you know, what am I going to say? No. Right. right. Well, I mean, you know, a, of course. This is the universe. I want this opportunity. Conspiring to help you, you know. Um, exactly. And that's a, a lot of things that you know, a lot of things that we do, we kind of like, you know, get in our own way, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough for this. Oh, no, I'm not worthy. And, you know, a lot of times yep. that's what I learn is like, get out of your own way, dude. Like, yeah, you know, you're stopping your own blessing. Chill. So this I is, agree. So this is one of those moments where you're like, you know what? I've never done this before. But, you know, God, the universe is like, you're ready. And you're like, you dive in. Uh, were you nervous, yep. of course, being on TV? I'm sure. 
I'm nervous every time I'm on TV, you know, and I've been on TV enough. I've been on TV more than most people, um, but I'm still nervous every single time. I don't think you're, I don't know. I don't know anyone who's never Mm. not nervous, Mm. um, no matter how much experience you have. And especially when it's live TV, because anything can happen, anything can go wrong. But yeah, so... For me, that was kind of when I started recognizing that I had an opportunity to really make an impact. And so I just started owning that more and owning that. Really more. That's key word right there. Owning it more, not being afraid, just mm-hmm. you know, not knowing. For example, you say you, didn't, you weren't a writer. You became a writer. <laughs> right. Right. So you figured it right. out. And um, you said yeah. you've never been on TV. So you're like, okay, I'm going to do TV. And you figured it out, yeah. right? And these are yeah. all new platforms, new opportunities that you've never envisioned yourself, you know, to have or doing, right? So- and then I just realized, like, there were certain, um, like, content creation wasn't really what it is now mm-hmm. then. So... Um, like now there's LeBron's network uninterrupted, um, you know, Bleacher Report, like these, these media companies, these sports media brands, sports media companies really didn't exist at the time, um, or at the beginning of what I was doing when I was doing what I was doing. And so like, I, you know, it's so funny because I remember pitching an idea to Madison Square Garden, um, for, a sports show and they didn't buy into it. But now I feel like if I were to pitch that same idea, they would be into it. I just feel like I was ahead of, you know, ahead of the game, ahead of what everyone is doing now. But a large part of what I was doing at the time was just doing it myself, creating Mm -hmm. content on my own. Like I, you know, had a web series called a man in the game where, where I interviewed women in sport as well. Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. Where I interview women in sport. How did you manage, Um, you know, doing all this stuff by yourself? Cause that's a, that's the biggest thing being an entrepreneur. You don't have money to pay people. How did you manage, you know, the web series, I was fortunate because my brother has a production company. Oh, okay. And so he invested in that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got really lucky from that perspective to have him, you know, financially support that endeavor. And it was great, though, because I was able to interview all of these women who, you know, whether they work in media um, for the NBA, for nonprofits, like whatever they did, I was able to interview them and tell their stories. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously before, you know, like right now, like feminism and equality, gender equality. Right. That's a big deal have, now. It's a huge deal. That wasn't before. This was before the, all this happened. I mean, I do exactly. remember you really focusing on, you know, focus, you know, having a voice, a female voice in a, heavily dominated male industry in sports. So I know you, you you're not a copycat girl. You, you, you OG. You're OG. <laughs> Thank you. You're OG. Thank you. I mean, and you know, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, I always say, well, I heard sometimes it's not the first one to do it. It's the first one to do it best. It's that, yeah. You know, and I get frustrated. Yep. That's why I stopped doing things originally anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be, 
Well, I mean, it's not, I still do it, but I have to be calculated because I don't want to be the first one to go through those mistakes and then somebody watching me and then somebody yeah. is going to, to copy all everything that I do, you know, all the sacrifices I make. And then you're going to take the lessons learned by just watching me and just be successful at it. So I'm really kind of. But I think, yeah, but I don't think that that's really the right way to approach it because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the thing like the thing that makes it work is you. Right. And there's only one Kelsey Cooper, you know, so while there's so many copycats out there, they don't have your sauce. Mm. You have the original sauce, the original flavor that can't be duplicated no matter how many people try. And so that original, that originality is I feel like the key differentiator between you doing something and someone else coming behind you and copying you know, what you've already created. You know what? I was having that conversation with another friend of mine. I'm like, I'm so frustrated because I'm starting something, making sacrifices and do all these things from scratch, you know, and then other people got flood the the same, start doing the same thing and saturating the product and and whatnot. I'm Uh like, my biggest frustration is like, I just want to get paid. Just give me, let me get like a couple of checks before. (laughs) before because you know you i just want to make my money back you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> i want to yeah. make my money that's back real. before 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 it it's no longer a thing you know so that's like my yep. biggest thing but i but you're right you know end of the day you know you are you know being original is the best thing to be and you know one thing you know my boy told me is like you also gotta also think about once you know taking it to the next level you always it forces you to keep moving can't be comfortable yeah. with oh yeah. I'm successful at this and so I'm gonna eat so you know okay you're successful at this and then everybody started doing it so you're not eating anymore so you gotta figure out the next thing to I uh, mean I I constantly think about Diddy and how he stays hungry he's never complacent mm. and you know he's always thinking about new ways and I don't even see it as reinventing himself but it's just you know new ways to tap into his purpose or to stay passionate about different projects. Right. And I, and I just love his hunger Yeah. and I just love his ability to just like attack. Like he's always in attack mode. And I love that about him. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember Diddy when uh, MySpace was popping, it was all over MySpace <laughs> when uh-huh. Twitter was popping. He was all over Twitter when, you know, Instagram is a thing now he's all over, you know, Instagram. Yeah. You know, and you know, Diddy's been in the game for a while, right? He's like what fifty something or close to fifty something. Well, know? yeah, uh, so, I think him and Jay are about the same age, so about right. forty nine, forty eight, forty nine. I definitely uh, look at him as an inspiration because you might not necessarily like the things that he does, but you gotta respect the man. He's been on top of his game for a while, and then that does not order happen automatically, as we know as entrepreneur. You know, checks is not gonna arrive yeah. at your you know in your mailbox automatically you gotta go out there and hunt get those checks exactly exactly and it doesn't matter if you are a beginner or you know seasoned entrepreneur you know you can't just it's not for the weak (laughs) it's not for the lazy yeah you know i agree it's so true right so uh i know we've kind of dive into a lot of stuff uh so you went from you know chemistry major (laughs) 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 to psychology major to ESPN marketing to be a sports marketing company to be a blogger uh to be a a 
you know, personality, a platform, mm-hmm. you know, and now your diet, you know, you're going to accept this position uh, with the New York Liberty. Is it the New York Liberty? You got? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As a VP. So how do you feel about your journey, you know, in terms of any, any regrets or, you know, if you had to do something no. differently, what would you do differently? I would change nothing. I mm. would change nothing. I think that everything that I've been able to experience over, I guess, these nine years mm-hmm. um, has positioned me perfectly for where I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like everyone, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And trust me, I've had so many detours. Mm-hmm. But I that's can't like, even begin listen, to explain how many detours. And this is why we're having this conversation because you, I mean, I had like a grandiose plan when I left my job and, and everything that you projected or forecasted, nothing ever, ever happens the way you forecast, at least from my at perspective. All. For all. better and for worse. Right. Exactly. For better, for worse. It could be a bad thing. It could be yeah. a negative thing. But you just got to know how to adjust and keep going, right? And it's all about yeah. survival of the fittest. And then, you yeah. know, the thing about it is being an entrepreneur that you really have to, whatever you decide, you know, you leaving this nine to five to pursue, you got to be very passionate about it because every day and this is from my experience you know everything is going to be like why am i doing this <laughs> you know every the, the logical things logical logical signs is like dude you need to get a 95 but you're so passionate about what you're doing you're like no i'm not going to do that so you really have to be passionate about what you're doing i mean from my perspective i think that's i agree and i think and for me the one of the only reasons I'm accepting this position is because it is perfectly aligned with my purpose and my passion. Right. Um, and it, like I said before, like everything that I've done building up to this point has positioned me to be able to succeed in this. And, um, you know, as I reflect back on, like I said, like all the detours that I had, like at the time, a lot of it was frustrating. Some of it never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like all of the, all of the dots connect. Right. Um, and like I said, again, I'm supposed to be exactly where I am. Mm-hmm. And while it wasn't on, you know, while things didn't occur in my timing, it happened in God's timing. Right. And so I can't complain about that. I can't look back and you know, say that I have any regrets about that. And I think that even with my, like my background is crazy as hell, you know, but, and on paper, it might not be what a traditional um, corporate person would be looking for, for this position. Um, But understanding the product, understanding how traditional marketing is not the end all be all anymore. You need to be innovative. You need to be an out of the box thinker. You need to have a really strong knowledge of, you know, content creation, whether that's video, whether that's long form content, short form content, blogging, you know, whatever it is. um, I have that because I've taught myself all right. of that. You know, I'm thinking and about it. You said, you know, you said something earlier that's not a traditional approach because none of this 
how to did not exist. You know, everything was traditional. You know, you do certain things a certain way. Um, so without knowing, the universe is preparing you for what to come, right? Yep. So you basically have to kind of like trust your trust yourself, and trust your journey, and trust God to know that. You know, he's leading me somewhere and somewhere special. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and you're a good, good, good example of that. I'm excited for you, girl. Thank you, Kelsey. When did you when do you Thank start full time? Um, well, <laughs> I technically started this week. Um, okay. I haven't been into the office yet. Um, so actually, tomorrow will be my first day into the office. Oh, wow. um, but. Yeah, but Friday. But that's I a good way Monday to start on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so Monday, I'll I'll be like in for real, for real. That'll mm. be like official, official. But and I've been working, like I said, like I've been consulting for them for the past year. So I've already been working um, for the team and on emails and calls and things like that. Um, but the scope is a little bit broader, oh, actually a lot broader, excuse me, a lot broader, but right. it's, you know, I'm excited about it. Right. It's nothing that I can't handle. Right. Quick. I mean, this is one question I meant to ask you earlier. Um, okay. all this moves ups and downs in and out. How does, how did, you know, being an entrepreneur, chasing your passion, and your dreams affect your personal life? Oh, Kelsey. Come on. Now, Come on. You know, this that's... is a good question. <laughs> this, okay. So the real answer is that I didn't really do a lot of dating mm. um, because I just didn't feel like I was in a, not to say that I wasn't in a position to offer anything to anyone, mm -hmm. but financially things were really tight and challenging and I really felt like I needed to focus on building mm. and myself, you know, like developing myself, developing my business. And so I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I could be a good partner to someone. Right. And so. So it was by choice. It's not were, like you didn't, you didn't yeah. have opportunities. You were like, you were being selfish. Yeah. You were like, I need to focus on me first focus on my hustle. Especially because I've never been one to rely on a man. Right. And so, like, I, if I expect you to bring certain things to the table, then I expect myself to bring that to the table as mm. well. So we can build together and create a great partnership. Right. Um, and so when I felt like I was lacking in certain aspects of my life, I just didn't feel as desirable to other people and mm. I had people you know that were interested but I just wasn't interested in them for whatever reason right. I mean, um so yeah so I really didn't I really didn't date a lot um right. I mean yeah, listen, I really didn't date a another lot another thing I find that you know when you become an entrepreneur your world <laughs> is a unique place you know, certain yeah. things I took for granted when I had a nine to five, you do, you do certain things after work, you know, that everybody else did. So you would ran into a lot of people. One thing I realized is like when I, my time schedule, my schedule was way off from everybody yeah. else. <laughs> so it, when it comes to meeting people, it was, 
you know, it wasn't as much as if I was like a nine to five because I would go to yeah. an after work mixer or, or some kind of professional That's gathering. That's true too. You know, entrepreneurship is lonely. Oh, it's oh my god, it's so lonely. <laughs> it's so lonely. Yeah, uh, it's so lonely. It's 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 lonely to uh, a fault because you're forced to kind of reckon with yourself, right? Anything. Your weaknesses or any weaknesses you have, you're forced to address it head on. Either you address it head on or you or you fail. So you have to like if you're not disciplined, right. you gotta figure out how to be disciplined. You know, because if you're not right. disciplined right. in how to, you know, get this project done on time for a check, you're not gonna get that check. So it's right. it's it's mentally mentally it's uh it's 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 hard sometimes and then the other thing was that i would guilt myself a lot because i didn't feel like i deserved to be out mm. drinking or like having a great dinner or you know what i mean it was like i need to be working i need right. to be working towards my goals working towards securing more checks Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't having success in those areas, then I'd be like, mm, I don't really deserve to be out here flexing and flossing like right. everything is sweet when it's not. Right. So that was another thing. And that was another reason why, um, you know, I kind of like sequestered myself in some respects. And then the other part of it is just that like working from home is hard to, to your point. You're not leaving the office. To then go to a mixer and then go home like because when you work from home you're home for me it's like i'm in my apartment and i could easily work all day right and when i was really focused on blogging and and writing every day i would wake up at 5 a.m um update my blog so it could be ready by nine work during the day and then i was up probably until about midnight or one o'clock because i was watching the late games, whether it be, you know, the late NBA games on the West Coast or football games, if it's like Monday night football or something like that. And then reading all the sports stories for that day to see what I was going to write on my blog the next day. Wow. So I was only sleeping like four hours a night mm. and doing it every single day, like right. over and over and over. Like that was my pattern. In total, how many years do you think... You were an entrepreneur. Um, well, nine. So I left ESPN in 2010, March 2010, and this 2019, and now I'm going back to a full time. But don't get it twisted. I still have my side hustle. Uh, I'm still going to be writing. Are you still going to continue your blog? Well, I haven't really been updating my blog <laughs> like I should. Right. But yes, at, you know, at some point I'm going to get to a place where I can focus on that because that's really got me where I am today and mm -hmm. I just don't want to abandon it and I right. feel like there's still a space for it. So whether, you know, I'm able to get other writers to help with the workload or you know, I somehow figure out time to write again. Um, yeah, but I feel like that brand is always going to be a part of who I am. All right. Are you going to still continue with the majors? Yes, of course. So that's the dope. Majors... I didn't, we didn't dive into that a little bit. So, I mean, okay. at all. so let me know what is the majors. I, I think it's a decent, it's a dope movement. 
But Thank I'll let you. you. I'll let you. Uh, you know, tell the audience about the majors and all the donors okay. about it. So the majors is um, a platform that my business par- partner Ashley Blackwood, who's a sports publicist. She and I started in 2017 as a way to highlight, um, like I, like you read earlier, young-ish, young-ish. sports influencers <laughs> of color. So that's people like myself, people like her, and our peers who work in the industry, whether they work for leagues, teams, agencies, et cetera, um, who do the work, brands like ESPN, Bleacher Report, wherever, who are doing the work pushing the culture forward, but don't get the credit that they deserve. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people have these sports conferences and you look at the panelists who are invited to speak, typically an older white man. However, they're not the ones that are actually creating the content that Bleacher Report um, is pushing out and that's go- going viral. You know, it's like, people that look like us that are doing that but you don't know that so what we wanted to do with the majors was not wait for other people to give us shine and to highlight us but take control of that and have a platform that's for us by us and that gives us the love that we deserve so through that um our first year we created a sports conference um where we just invited sports influences of color And it's, you know, so it's essentially like a diversity and inclusion initiative, but we had a conference that ended with a DJ and some food and some drinks. But throughout the day, there were about six panels where we talked about, um, you know, sport topics that we explored from our perspective, from the perspective of people of color working in the industry. Um, And then we've had like pop-up dinners. We've hosted smaller panels. We've hosted movie screenings. And it's another way for us within this industry to connect and to collaborate, to build. Through the majors, people have collaborated on um, creating podcasts together, um, other businesses together. And it's just been really great. So um, that's what the majors is. And we have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's challenging um, because, you know, it's not our priority. It's, I don't want to say it's not our priority. It's but not your bread and exactly. butter right now. It's, exactly. it's, it's another passion exactly. that you guys have that you guys are, make, are sacrificing yeah. for. Exactly. Right. And so while we see the opportunity there and people are really excited about it, we just have to do a better job of finding time to commit to being able to build the brand in the way that we envision it. Right. But yeah, so the majors is definitely still going to be around. Um, it's just another thing on our plate. Right. Listen, girl, you know, I could talk to you forever, right? Cause you seem to have know, so much. I, I mean, I got so much <laughs> other stuff that I want to talk to you. I know it's been like an hour, almost an hour. So I want to wrap yep. it up. Um, okay. Any final, any advice that you would give to someone who frustrated, who's been overlooked on their nine to five, they're looking to really pursue their passion and their dreams. What would you, uh, any advice would you give those individuals? I would say to trust your process, not mm. the process, because I think that, you know, just saying trust the process 
is very general. Mm. And I think that it lends itself to comparing yourself to others. And as you know, like that means says that um, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And we, we tend to get in our heads a lot. And we tend to look at other people who we admire, you know, we, we look at other people's journeys and we compare where we are to them. And that's just not a fair comparison because one, you don't know what that other person has experienced to get where they are. And honestly, like, you don't know, like if they've sold their soul to get where right, they are, right. you know, it could all be a front. Right. You just don't know. Don't so know. I would say to trust your process. And if it's coming from a place of, um, if it's coming from a place of uh, a genuine place and it's truly something that is in, rooted in your passion and your purpose, like ultimately people who come up with ideas and they want to pursue on, like start their own business, they want to make money, but that can't be the only reason that you're in it. Because mm-hmm. if it is, then you're not going to, I don't think you'll be successful. Right. You're going to write, you because gonna, there's a, you're going to run, run right yeah, back to a nine to five. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're going to struggle and you have to be okay with struggling. Right. You have to be okay with failure. You have to be okay with hearing no. Right. Um, you have to develop a, a thick skin, but ultimately you have to continue to trust and believe in yourself and to have a relationship with, like I said, like whatever that higher being is for you, because that'll be your guiding light. Um, you'll know when it's, when it's time to give up, if it's time to give up. And the other thing is like, don't feel shame if it doesn't work out. Right. Because there's so much courage Mm. and strength required to just step out there, period. You know, and the fact that you're taking a risk on yourself that's nothing to be ashamed about if it doesn't work out because mm. there's so many people who are miserable every single day and they wish that they had the, the um, courage to do what you're doing. Right. So yeah, just trust your process. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's, that's, a, that's great advice. Actually. Um, I have a saying that I developed over the years of being an entrepreneur. That's me talking to myself, <laughs> trust God, trust yourself and trust your journey. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what you basically yeah. just said, you know? Yeah. Yep, it is. Well, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. I've been rapping with my good friend, Shana Stevenson, Shana Renee. Uh, all sports, everything. Um, you know, she has a, an amazing story, but we got to wrap up. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And tune in for the next episode of... Reverse Ambition. Thanks, Shana. Appreciate you. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks for having me.